Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. It's good to be with you. I am excited about tonight, but we've got, we've got some stuff we need to do today, so we're going to get into the Word. Um, and I'm really excited about today's message. Uh, has anybody ever wished that they could just like sit down with Jesus Christ and have a conversation? Like, particularly in those moments where you don't know what the heck you're doing, right? And uh, the WJD bracelet isn't enough to get you through? Right, and you you've got these questions for Jesus, and uh, and you really would love a verbal response, like some serious clarity. Like you, if you could just sit down and ask him just a handful of questions, it would make your life so much easier because then you'd know what to do. I, I kind of had that moment this last week. We've been having a lot of car problems, and I've been thinking about getting a new a new car, not like a not like a new car. You, you know, can't do that, right? But getting a car, right? And there was an opportunity to get this car that was actually pretty new. It was a little outside of our price range. I wasn't sure what to do. And I'm praying about it, and I'm like, I'm trying to figure out, am I just nervous, or do I not have peace, or what's the deal? And I'm asking the Lord, I'm like, God, Lord, give me, just give me some clarity about what to do. And it was in one of those moments I would have to sit down with Jesus and say, nah, man, here's the plan. I got it worked out. This is what I want you to do, right? And he could have just walked me through that thing, right? And, uh, and he did, but he, he, it was, it's not the same as sitting down, right? Uh, one day we'll get to do that, by the way. I'm very excited about that day, uh, that I get some face-to-face time with Jesus. That's going to be very cool. But that's not really the way God speaks to us. He speaks to us through His Word. But there's this moment in Acts chapter 18 where Paul needs some clarity. Right? He, he, it's, a, it's a moment where he, he needs some answers to his questions, and Jesus shows up and, and speaks to him, which is, pretty, is an amazing, unique thing that the apostles experience things like that from time to time. Um, now, thank God we have the clarity of his word, right? We, we've got everything that we need, right, to answer the question about whether or not I need to buy a car. Ultimately, I look to God's word and I realize that, that I only have so much money. I, I'm responsible for stewarding it principally from the scripture. I learned this. I only ha- have so much money and, I, and I've been asked to steward it. And I decided against buying the more expensive car so I could focus my resources on other things. And God's word did get me through that. But uh, the apostles had the unique experience of hearing from the, from the mouth, you know, the audible voice of Jesus Christ. And that's a pretty fantastic thing. And we're going to see Paul's got these questions about what he's supposed to do and where he's supposed to go and about evangelism. And Jesus gives him these amazing, this amazing information. It's limited, it's short, it's clear, it's to the point. But it's a word to the evangelist. So we're going to get a word to the evangelist today. Uh, this is a ministry of evangelists. This is a, Kaya is intended, it's being built up, it's being trained to be evangelical, to take the gospel of forgiveness to the whole world. And we've got to take that job really seriously. But it's not always an easy job, right? There's times in which we have questions about our, our ministry and what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to go. And, and it, God, is it time that I, that I go somewhere else or do this other thing? And, and in the midst of these questions, God has some information that he wants us to apply to our life principally. And we're going to get it here today from Jesus, if that's all right with you. Cool? All right, let's pray, and then we'll get into it. You awake? You ready to go? Okay, good. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And we're grateful for your word. And we're grateful for every opportunity that we as a family, as Kaya, get to come together and open it, and to look, look to you and, and, to, and to, Lord, hear your voice in exactly the way you gave it to us through your book. And it means so much to us. It helps unify us. It helps us get focused. And, and Lord, I'm, I can never be uh, any more grateful than I am right now for this group of people that I get to call my friends. Uh, they're a refreshment to me. They're a blessing to me. Um, and our time together like this is, is precious. It's, it's sober and it's serious, but it's also just good. And so Lord, I pray that you would use it uh, to activate us for your work, that we might be inspired, that we might be built up, and that we might be pushed and provoked to, to go and, and to live exactly the way that you've asked us to live. 
We need you, and we need to hear your voice today just the same way that Paul needed to hear it some 2,000 years ago. And so, Lord, be faithful to us. Show up today and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we know uh, from previous weeks that we're in Corinth with Paul, uh, and he's there in the gospel, and, and God has used him. Uh, he's also come up against rejection, and it's been kind of a hard time overall. And, uh, his, you know, we talked about his friends being there to, to provoke him to greater faith, but, but then what it looked like for him to deal with rejection when he was preaching the gospel in the synagogue and the Jews wouldn't receive it and how he, he would have felt about that. We saw him have this really serious emotional response. He was very frustrated by that. But then God ended up working in a way that he could have never anticipated by leading Crispus, the, ch- the chief priest of the synagogue, to the Lord. Like God did that work even when Paul couldn't see it. And that was an encouragement to us. But now, Paul's asking himself, uh, as he lays down for bed one night, he's asking himself what's next. You know, we know from Paul's ministry that, that he would go from city to city, you know, uh, sometimes a, a few days at a time, sometimes weeks, months at a time, rarely for any longer than a few months. And so he's in this moment where he's feeling, is it time to move on? Is it, is it time to go to another city? Is it time to preach the gospel somewhere else? And it's in this moment that Jesus himself shows up. And when Jesus shows up, uh, we ought to listen. Right? When Jesus shows up, we ought to listen. And so let's go ahead and look at verse 9 of chapter 18. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So there are times in which we need clarity. We ask the questions, well, what's next? What's what's left for me to do here? And we talked early on when we first opened the book of Acts, really early on, what, a year and a half, two years ago when we started this process. We opened the book and we talked about how Acts is a book of transitions, right? Right? not only doctrinally, but also in terms of just life transitions. We get to watch as believers go through seasons of transitions and difficulty where God's taking them from one place to another, and we get to go on that ride with them, and we get insight into how to deal with with life transitions ourselves. And, you know, being the college and young adult ministry, all of us are constantly in a state of of somewhat of, of, of upheaval, right? Like, Questions about where to go to school, what degree to get, where to live, how to save money, what kind of career I I should be looking at, should I switch careers, should I date this person, should I not date this person, should I marry this person, should I not, like we can go on and on and on. These are the kinds of questions, these are the kinds of difficulties that you guys are always facing, and not to just that. But for those of us who are mission-minded, for those of us who are evangelical, for those of us who recognize that we have a calling in our life to preach the gospel, a lot of us are asking the question, hey, what's next in terms of ministry? At what point do I know that it's time to, to move on and, and be a part of a church plant? Or at what point do I know that it's time to really take LFBI more seriously because I know that God's growing me into something deeper and bigger than what I ever in, had ever anticipated up to this point. And these are the kinds of questions that we start asking, and it's difficult sometimes to get answers. requires a lot of patience. requires a lot of study in God's Word. But it's in these transitions that we really do need to lean into what Christ tells us, and what He's teaching us, and what He's showing us. And it's in this kind of moment that Paul is sitting in his bed late one night, he's praying to the Lord, and Jesus interjects, giving Paul very clear instruction and encouragement necessary to proceed on in his ministry in Corinth. Jesus shows him the fullness of ministering to to this major metropolis city. You know, we live in a major metropolis. It's not New York. Kansas City's no New York, but it is, uh, and I almost said that, I almost said New York like Kenny. I've been around Kenny too much. I almost said New York which is how Kenny says New York. Uh, I need to make sure I retain that Midwestern, New York, that Midwest pronunciation. But we're a big city, and there's a lot of stuff to do here. And it's, it's, in, in some ways, it's like Corinth, you know? It's a, it's a, it's a major city, and, and so we can see some parallels between us and Paul here. 
And uh, we need these words of Jesus this morning. So, so let's look closely as he teaches us and shows us. The first thing that, that Jesus says to Paul is, Be not afraid to speak. Be afraid. Verse 9, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, saying, Be not afraid, but speak. He begins by telling him not to fear, but speak. But so much of fear for us is about speaking, isn't it? So much of our fear as it concerns who we are in Christ is about whether or not we're willing to speak up and speak the truth of who he is. And this is a daily thing, right? Anytime we find ourselves in a new circumstance, around a new community of people, new workplace, or at the grocery store, around people that we don't know, these feelings of fear, they always find us, don't they? Always telling us to do what? To hold our tongue. And for the believer, for the evangelist, a lot of time, fear, the way it manifests is, be quiet. Be quiet. And perhaps the rejection that Paul had faced in Corinth up to this point, despite the, the situation with Crispus, for the most part, Paul only received rejection while in Corinth. Maybe that had caused him to be afraid, of, uh, afraid a little bit of speaking up. Afraid of the anger that he witnessed in the synagogue. Remember that? Remember how people treated him? And maybe it's not even fear uh, as it concerns his own well-being, but, but concern for his friends. I mean, he's got Silas and Timothy and Luke that he's responsible for. And, and so maybe his fears are really complex. Maybe it's not just about how he's going to be treated, but how his friends are going to be treated. And it's those fears that always keep us silent. And so many of us, we recognize, and we use these excuses, right? Well, I'm just an introvert. You know, I just, you know, I'm just kind of a quiet person. That does not excuse you for disobeying the Lord and not speaking up about the gospel. The gospel is the key to forgiveness for every person on this earth. And it's through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, that people are set free for eternity. And we're going to hold that to ourselves. I remember when I was real young, maybe you've heard this before, but the analogy was used, like if you had the cure for cancer, would you keep to that, that to yourself or would you share it with people? And I think it's such a great analogy because so much more important than that is not someone's physical life, but their spiritual life, their spiritual eternity, whether or not they have life in Christ for eternity or death forever and separation in hell. This is a very serious matter. And you hold the answer to that. You hold the keys to whether or not someone can or cannot receive the truth of Jesus Christ and eternity with him. Are you going to be silent? And it's usually fear that keeps us quiet. And fear is, man, it's such an amazing thing. Fear of lots of different things in our life keep us quiet. But Jesus has given us a mission. He's given us something to do. Our lives don't have to be meaningless. Our, our lives and our purpose should be sourced in our speaking up. Mark 16, 15. Sorry, the hair is like out of control this morning. Sam gave me, Becca and some of the other girls were there. Sam gave me a little bit of a lecture this week about how he wants me to cut my hair. I think he thinks I'm ugly. I think that's the main reason, is that he thinks I look stupid. But the cutting the hair won't actually change that. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Like, I don't even know, understand how to interpret that. But it's, apparently, uh, we, we should, our mouths should be so open and so ready, willing to preach the gospel to, the, to our dog. Every single living creature ought to hear the gospel. And... Uh, that leads us to our key point. Let's start here. Our fear to speak undermines God. It denies us blessing. And it condemns the lost. Okay, so there's a lot there to unpack. But the first thing that we need to look at is that it undermines God. He's asked us to do this. He told us to go speak to every single creature. And by refusing to do that, we disobey the Lord and we deny him the very thing that he wants from our lives. So a lot of times we don't think about it. We think it's like a personal decision to not speak up at the grocery store or to that person at work. Or to, we think it's a personal decision to hold our tongue. But the truth is, the truth is that, that that decision has eternal implications, one of which is that God's not pleased with you. And when God's not pleased with you, you're refusing blessing. 
There's blessing that comes with obeying God. Not just like, not just in terms of our emotions and our spiritual well-being, but, but why would God give good gifts to children who are disobedient? I mean, there's a very easy parallel to draw to my own parenthood. If my kids are always disobeying, they're not going to get the things that they want. Right? If anything, they're going to get sat down. And so we've got to take this very, very seriously. It undermines God. It denies us blessing. And then really, to me, one of the most painful things is that it condemns the lost. So in order for you to not speak up because of fear, in order for you to get to that place and justify it, you've got to tell yourself that souls just aren't that important. That people's eternal destiny is just not that important. In that moment, you have put yourself over God and over others. It's not good, y'all. Like Jesus didn't just call us to a happy life. I mean, there's so many of us in this room, maybe. I mean, there's a lot of people here that I don't know. And you are convinced that your salvation is, that's yours. It was a gift from God, and you ought to enjoy it, and that your life ought to be about finding all the pleasure that you can find. Good for me, pat on my back, ticket to heaven, all is good. You think God's keeping you around for that? Every breath that you believe, that's like, you're borrowing that. (laughs) That's That's a gift, that's a loan to you. And you can waste what's been loaned to you. You know, one day your life will end. And you will answer for the life that you lived. And he will grill you on this very matter. Were you or were you not willing to speak up? Life is not about happiness. Life is about obeying the Father. Because one day you want to hear him say the words, You've made me happy. Come into happiness. Come into eternal happiness. Come into reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. But this life, come on, we all have to admit, sitting around here with these masks, life is just kind of miserable anyway. So we might as well make the best of it, right? We've got purpose. We've got a reason to live. And we ought not to undermine God. We, not, ought, we ought to not reject the blessing that he's extended to us. And, and we certainly shouldn't be condemning people to hell because we're not willing to speak up. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want that blood on my hands. It's a very sober way of thinking about it, isn't it? If we uh, fear to speak and share the gospel, then we have effectively snubbed God, rejected our reward, and laid the red carpet for the lost world's eternity. Our fear to speak about Jesus is the clearest reflection of the state of our own hearts towards Jesus. I want to hit this real quick. We say we love Jesus. We say we're thankful for him. We say, we'll, we'll talk about him like he's the best. We'll come in and we'll come into a worship setting like this and we'll praise and we'll be elated by the words that we're singing and we'll feel an emotional rise in our hearts. And then we'll leave this place and our life will reflect if we actually love Jesus by the way we act, the way we speak, and what we take seriously. And if you truly love Jesus, then you're going to obey him. And that means speaking up. So he says, he says, be not afraid, but speak. And then this next statement I think is fantastic. Related to that, he says, hold not thy peace. The phrase hold not thy peace means to not keep silent. But I love, I really love the language of the King James here because it conjures up a much deeper understanding than just don't be silent. Okay? He says, it says, hold not thy peace. Hold not thy peace. Do not hold or retain the gospel of peace. Because what we have to offer people is peace, isn't it? And so when it says hold not thy peace, it means don't hold or retain back or hold back what God has given you in terms of blessing. Don't keep that peace to yourself, but release it. Give it to others. Do not hoard the treasure. Do not cover the light. Do not conceal the grace of Christ. Be generous. Be eager. And that leads us to our next key point, number two. Our mouths should be an open floodgate of the gospel. Don't hold it back. Don't retain it. 
Be a floodgate. Truth emerge from your life. Be eager to let it flow. Don't speak shyly and with caution. Don't live a, a cautious Christian life. Speak plainly and with courage. Speak out, press in, be liberated in a way that's, be, that's befitting to a prince or princess of the Most High God. I mean, think about it for a second. If you're a prince or a princess, I mean, my daughter's convinced that she's a princess, which is really bad, because she feels liberated to speak like one, right? She gets a little bossy for a three-year-old. Don't you know what I can do with you? (laughs) Right? I don't actually do that. That just goes through my mind sometimes. But a, but someone who is the child of the king, what are they afraid of? They can speak openly. They can speak with confidence. But so many of us don't recognize who we are in Jesus Christ. And it, and it keeps our mouths stopped up. It keeps us fearful. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And I think the important part here is ready always. Ready always. Not ready sometimes. Not ready when it's convenient for you. Ready always. Are you ready always? Is your mouth a floodgate? Are you quick to, to give glory to Jesus Christ? I mean, he set you free. If there's, if there's anything worth talking about, I mean, the stuff that we talk about. I mean, some, like, leading up, leading up to tonight's Super Bowl, the amount of vain talking that goes on, like, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I love football. I love, I love the Chiefs. But man, it's just funny. Sometimes you think about what what gets people excited and what's on the tip of their tongue. It's always a reflection of the things that they prioritize. And it just reminds me again that there's some people who just love football more than they love Christ. I mean, just, and you could fill in that blank. It could be anything. We get so easily distracted. Our priorities get so jumbled up. We need to be ready always to tell people of the hope that's inside of us. Always. The next thing he says, and this is really crucial, Jesus says to Paul, I am with thee. This makes all the difference. And so everything we've talked about up to this point, you might still be saying to yourself, but it's so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard. Wait, 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 wait. I am with thee. I am with thee. What more do we need to know? What greater motivation to face the fiery furnace than to know that the Son of God walks with you? The understanding that God is with us is essential to the Great Commission itself. If we look at Matthew 28, 18, where we find, you know, the triumphant verse about the Great Commission, the most thorough verse on God's call on our life, we find it right here. And notice that the beginning and the end of this section begins with God with us and God with us. And Jesus came and spake unto them, his disciples which we are, right, spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. That's relevant, y'all. The fact that Jesus holds all power in heaven and earth is relevant. And he says, Go ye therefore, because of the power that I have, I I am commissioning you to go in that power. Go ye therefore, because of that, go in that and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Go teach them. Lead them to me. Baptize them. Disciple them. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Really, what else do we need to know? If he's with us, what should we fear? Key point number three. Our walk should reflect the fact that Christ walks with us. 
That's the kind of swagger that we should have. And I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same place. Some days, some days I walk in that confidence and some days I don't. Anybody else really like that? Like some days I know. Get. But the key to remembering is listening to him and reminding ourselves that he's with us. He's with us, he's with us, he's with us, he's with us, he's with us. It informs everything about who we are and what we do. We can never forget it. We can never forget it. He says next, And no man shall, shall set on thee to hurt thee. No man shall set on thee to hurt thee. This is a promise. Jesus makes a very unique promise to Paul right here. That he wouldn't suffer persecution, physical persecution, while he's in Corinth. Now it's important to note that, that Paul does die a martyr. Right? So the promise doesn't extend to the entirety of his life. God's not saying to him like, look good, you're going you're to be good, you're going to be safe forever. All he says is that while you're in Corinth, I'm going to keep you safe and no one's going to lay their hands on you. Okay? That's a very unique promise to Paul. But there's something for us to learn too. It's important to note that this is not a promise that God will give us, that people won't hurt us, people won't harm us. I mean, we're going to face, we're going to face that stuff. We're going to face persecution. It's, it's important to note that that's not a promise for us, but what is important to consider is that while God's protection over our lives isn't always what we want it to be, it will always be exactly what we need it to be. I mean, a lot of times we think that we dictate to the Lord how he should and shouldn't protect us. Like what he should and shouldn't do for us. Like God, in this situation, you've got to blah, blah, blah. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. We need to be content with the idea that, that, that God has promised us exactly the kind of protection that we need. Not always what we want, what we need. Psalms 34, 17 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. So listen to me, this is very important. The truth that we must glean is that for Christ to promise his care should be more than enough to provoke us to boldness in the mission. In other words, we might not know what that care looks like exactly, but the fact that he's told us that he'll deliver us from trouble should be enough for us to provoke us to live in the mission. I mean, I, I love that promise. You know why no one will hurt you? Because nobody can hurt you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not expecting that any of you are going to go out today and preach the gospel somewhere, and then they're going to, like, imprison you and, like, sentence you to death. Like, I'm not anticipating any of that happening this week. But people, people do intend us harm, particularly at an emotional level, I would say, and people aren't always friendly. And, and you, again, you will face rejection and you will face persecution more and more and more and more. But what's important to understand is that no one can actually hurt you. I mean, they could take your life, I suppose. But what's that to an eternal soul destined for glory? What's that to you? Whether or not someone was to kill you for what you believe. I mean, maybe I'm speaking in a way that, that, that forces you into, like, your inner imaginary. But there are people in the world right now, in the moment that I'm speaking, that are giving their lives for the gospel's sake. I mean, there are people in the world right now bleeding out and dying because they refuse to deny God and accept some other religious belief, whether it's Hinduism or radical Buddhism or Islam or whatever it might be, there are people in the world right now dying because they're holding the truth of Jesus Christ. And what I'm telling you is what do you have to fear? I mean, the worst that can happen to you is that you die. 
be not troubled. The deliverer walks with you. He's protecting you. He's watching over you. He's sealed your eternal glory. He can touch you. No harm can come to you. What's it to you if your life gets taken? This has got to be our perspective. There's got, for some of us, we just have to have a perspective shift. What Jesus wants Paul and us to know is that our ability to go to the lost world will require radical, counterintuitive, and even dangerous behavior. But he will protect us. I mean, I'm not telling you everybody's going to go to the Sudan to be a missionary, right? Like, some of you might. Some of you might go to Pakistan. Some of you might go to places where, where Christians are treated extremely poorly. Maybe. But what's important for us to understand is this key point. We should be tough. Because the gospel has to get to tough places. Some of us just don't have the resolve. We just don't have the toughness. The fortitude. And the reason is because you don't recognize that God walks with you and protects you. You don't know that. You're not convinced of that. You're not convinced of those promises. And so you walk with timidity. But listen, if the gospel is going to get to tough places, places in our city, there are people in our city who've never heard the clear presentation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God wants to use us. But we've got to determine. We've got to to be tough. If we're going to get the gospel to tough places, Matthew 10, 27. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. So the truth that you're receiving, you got, it's your job to go and amplify that in the world. That's what he says. And fear not them, which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not therefore, Ye are of more value than many sparrows. He watches you. He knows you. He loves you. He's there for you. His protection is sufficient. Go and speak. Don't fear. Amplify the gospel. He knows that if you were brushing your hair this morning, if hair follicles came out into the brush, he knows that. That's how concerned he is with your life. Can you trust it to him? Some of us have tough decisions to make about going to tough places. Can you not, can you not trust your life, your spouse, your children to the Lord? Can you not? I think you can Hebrews 13.6 says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Jesus continues on when he's speaking to Paul. and He says, For I have much people in this city. I mean, in, the, in terms of the conversation, you see what this is leading to. This is Jesus' motivation. For everything that he said so far, Be not afraid, speak up, hold not thy peace, I'm with you. I'm protecting you. This is where he lays out 
wants. For I have much people in this city. Christ says he has much people. Much people. With this information in mind, Paul is obligated to get to work so God can manifest his intentions. Jesus has intentions. He has intentions in Christ. He has intentions in Kansas City. He has intentions in Vietnam. He has intentions. And his intentions are to reach much people. He's saying that the people are ready to hear. It's time to arise and to go. And we have to know that this is true for Kansas City too. And we see the evidence all around us, don't we? We see the evidence. We see God at work. We see that the harvest has been prepared for us. We see it. The testimony of our ministry is that if we open our mouth in faith, if we pray for souls, He's going to add to this church daily such as should be saved. We've seen it. We know it to be true. And Kansas City is ready for us to go because God has much people here. Much people. And I love the phrase, much people. You know, Mark uses this phrase to describe what Christ saw when he looked out on the masses of lost people. You guys know the story, uh, the, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. You guys know this? Have you guys ever read this? The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus steps up on, on the Mount. And he says this thing in Mark 6.34, about halfway through the sermon. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And so what Jesus does here is he looks out on much people and he says to himself, here is the lost. Here are the people without a shepherd. Here are the people that are, that are, are lost and astray. And they need me. They need me to speak up. And he did. This phrase, much people, is not only used to describe those who have not been reached yet, but it's also used for those who've been reached. So if we look at Revelation 19.1, uh, John describes what heaven's going to look like. And he uses this exact same term. Revelation 19.1 says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation, and glory, and honor, and power unto the Lord our God. So it's important to remember that God uses us, His servants, to bring the much people of the mount. To become the much people of the throne room. This is our work, to turn the masses one person at a time. To turn the much people from the lost and the astray on the mount to the much that are received in glory. That's our responsibility. That's what he's calling us to. That's his intention. Key point number five. There are much people that need our much speaking. And more than that, they need the testimony of our lives. They need the character of our lives to, to live and reflect the truth of Jesus Christ. They need the te testimony and the witness of our actions and the way we treat one another and the way we love and the way we sacrifice. But listen, no one will receive the gospel because you're a good person. We have to open our mouths. Much people are turned by much speaking. That's what all this has been about. This is what Jesus is telling Paul. Speak up. Be bold. Because I have much people that need to be saved. And so Paul takes Jesus at his word. He applies what he's hearing. And he goes and preaches. And he continued there a year and six months is what verse 11 says. Teaching the word of God among them. And we know because of the letter of 1st and 2nd Corinthians that God used Paul to establish a mighty big church there. So God had a, a work to do in Paul, and he spends what really amounts to probably one of the longest amounts of time that, that he ever spent anywhere here in Corinth. Jesus' words in the, the vision had effectively bolstered Paul's uh, focus and, and, and his desperacy to follow the Lord, to go hard. But when we get to work in the mission, you know, there's no way around it. It's not going to go unchallenged. And so we need to anticipate that. So you might take God at His word, 
And you might go and speak and be fearless and function in that truth. But really all that means is that you're going to face challenges along the way. That's not going to go uncontested, you understand? I just want to give you some really basic insight. Satan doesn't like you. And the more you speak about Jesus, the more his hatred grows. And he hates the message of the gospel. And he's going to do everything he can to keep you from speaking it. It's not going to go unchallenged. It's going to, go, it's going to be tested. Your resolve will continue to be tested over and over again. So Jesus shows up, but then challenge shows up. Acts 18, 12. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with, with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. Okay. So, Paul's preaching. The religious order of the Jews, they don't like it. They go and they lay hands on him. And they bring him to the judgment hall, the judgment seat, to make accusation before before the, the Roman rulers. Okay? So here's key point number six. We should know our witness won't go untested. We should know that. Paul chose to speak out. Paul, Paul chose to speak, and it came with challenge. And just because Jesus was protecting him and said no one, no one would set, set harm on him doesn't change the fact that, that that faith would be tested, and ours will be tested too. This is the point. Paul was tested. Do you, are you going to continually believe the things that I've called you to, to believe. I told you that I'd look out for you. I told you that I'd protect you. And I really like the way this story unfolds. Okay, so they bring him into this room, and I want you to catch the nuance of what happens here. So they bring, they bring him to the judgment seat. Listen, the Lord, look how faithful the Lord is here. Verse 14. And, w- and when Paul was now about to open his mouth, In other words, when Paul was about to defend himself, when, when Paul was about to make an argument for why they should let him go, to explain himself, which is what we're always to do, right? Defend our position, justify this or that. Listen, let God's word speak for itself. You know, when Jesus was being tried, and being questioned by Pontius, by him. careful with the words that he used. Why would Jesus Christ, the Son of God, need to defend himself? Why would he need to do that? You know, I've told this story before. You know, in, in India... Uh, there's a church that we minister to in India uh, where we go and we train pastors, okay? Uh, some of you are familiar with Pradeep, right? And uh, pra- there, there was, a, there was a, a, a radical, a sect of radical Hindus that rose up and began to persecute the fledgling church in this region called Arissa. And just as the church was starting to grow in the villages and, and out in the rural communities, where like, like, just to be honest with you, things like camp take place there, like today. The gospel is beginning to spread into these villages. There's an, there was a false accusation against the Christians that a Christian had killed a Hindu. They, they blamed the Christian community, and so the Hindus set out to persecute the Christians, and this lasted for four years, and over 500 Christians were killed, and churches were burnt down everywhere. I mean, small churches, mud, mud huts, I mean, essentially, burned down. And everything that these pastors and these Christians were working for was basically destroyed in a very short time before the government intervened and, and kind of snuffed things out and there was a, a truce, if you will. But there were Christians that I spoke to when I was in India who were imprisoned 
and were made to eat their own fecal matter. And yet, the only thing that they could speak was the gospel. And I'm, I met a That man didn't defend himself. He didn't plead his case. He didn't talk about why it was unjust for him to be treated that way. He didn't use the letter of the law to defend himself. The only words he had to say was, Jesus is the Son of God. And it was effective to leading the lost to Christ. He wants to defend himself here, but God doesn't even let him. God comes to his defense just as he promised. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, okay, Gallio is the, the, the leader, the deputy of Achaia, said unto the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I, that I should bear with you. But if it's a question of words and names and of your law, in other words, if this was about breaking the Roman law, well, sure. I would handle that. But if this is a matter of Jews and the Jewish traditions and, and splitting hairs about this or that, I want nothing to do with it. Look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. Those who would have accused Paul, he drave them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, who was the chief ruler of the synagogue. Remember, the previous ch chief ruler was Crispus, remember? Okay, he's been replaced because he came to Christ. Sosthenes is the new chief ruler of the synagogue. And Gallio is so disappointed by this fact that they would bring this matter of Paul to his, to his court that he beats him before the judgment seat and Gallio cared for none of those things. Do you see how Jesus came to the defense of Paul? I wonder, I wonder, evangelist, I wonder preacher of the good news I wonder if you can let God be your defense I wonder if you can leave the splitting of hairs and the, the peripheral conversations and the accusations and the rejection and the frustration that people feel towards you, family members who think you're crazy for what you believe, I wonder if you could leave those matter to, matters to Jesus and let him defend you. And let your behavior and your speech speak for itself. Way. His truth is divine. This book is divine. I love it. I adore it. I will obey it. And let that, let that be enough. Is that enough? No, really. Is it enough? Church, is it enough that Jesus says he's there for you? go preach. Be liberated. There are people all around you that need the gospel. Go fishing. Bait the hook. You've got an endless supply of bait. Bait the hook and go. And leave the rest to him. We, listen, What are we if we're not missionaries? What are we if we're not evangelists? What are we? Accountants? Engineers? What are we if we aren't ambassadors for Jesus Christ? So let's trust him for the details and go. This is who we have to be. Dear Heavenly Father, worship team. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we recognize that you have laid before us promises, truths, 
that should strengthen us and empower us for the work of preaching your gospel in Kansas City and for some of us in other places all over the world. And we've got all these questions in our mind, like, Lord, what about this, or what about that, or, or I, I, what will come of me if I, if I do press in, or if I stay here, or go there? What's going to come? And these are trivial matters for the king. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to walk in confidence. Help us to speak without fear. Help us to trust you with the details. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that recognizes for the very first time in their life that they need the power of Jesus Christ. They need forgiveness. Their hearts for a long time have been condemning them. They could feel and sense their own depravity. They recognize that, that their sin has held them back from knowing you. Lord, I pray right now that people would be willing to come forward and to speak with the counselors that are waiting for them up front. Lord, work in these people's lives that you love them so much. I don't even have to know their names. You know them. You know every hair on their head. You love them. You adore them. Lord, give them the confidence right now to step out and to come forward and to receive you just, just as they are. All of their sin, all of their imperfection, Lord, show them how to lay that before you and find forgiveness. us in this room right now, that you're seeing them, you see their heart, and you know that they've held back. And you're calling them more, to, to, to live it out more, to preach more, to go harder, to go further for your, for your gospel's sake. Lord, I pray that you would call those people forward this morning too, that they might meet with someone and, and confess their weakness and determine right now that they're going to live as evangelists and to preach the gospel wherever they go. We ask for your help. We love you. We thank you. We adore you. You're our God. And we pray this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times, and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.